Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Michael Gisman. Michael, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Oh, excellent. Excellent. I'm glad that we could get you on. I've been seeing your books for quite a while, and I know, you know, we've been talking on social media here and there, so... Uh, you know, I'm glad that, you know, even with like having to reschedule and stuff, my son being sick that we could, you know, um, have you on the show and, you know, get you into season three. I was really excited when I was looking at your blurbs and I absolutely love both of your covers. Like as soon as I saw your advertisement, I was like, follow and I added your books to TBR. I didn't even have to see what they were about. I was like, I just knew that they were my kind of thing. So I was definitely wanted to get you on so we could talk about, you know, just your overall aesthetic and, you know, your product. So thank you so much for coming on today. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, we'll start right there with that first question, which was actually given to me by a fan uh, uh, like two seasons ago, and I've actually really enjoyed it. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? <laughs> well, I, mean, I started writing a little bit in high school, um, and then in dabbling. So I was, I was a big fantasy fan. Obviously, that's, uh, that's what I do is I write fantasy, and I read tons of fantasy. All behind me is mostly fantasy. There's some fiction, some historical fiction, so I got a little bit of everything. Um, but my main digs are, are the fantasy world. So, you know, in high school, I was reading a lot. Um, so I was always constantly playing around with different things, creating worlds, and I was even drawing maps and doing all kinds of stuff. Oh, cool. When I was in you know, grade school. I actually started volume 8th grade, volume seventh, eighth grade, sixth grade. Uh, I got some books here from from there. I, you know, I was like in sixth and eighth grade, I'd write my names on there in case somebody found my book. I lost it, so I took <laughs> it back. So back then, I started writing a little bit. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't know anything. I was just a 12, 14-year-old, 16-year-old, whatever. And then I went to college, and I was taking an uh, introduction to theater, introduction to theater course. Mm. And she had, it was a big class, it was probably like 70, 80 people in this course. Oh, it was a general elective course that every, you know, everyone could take this. So even if you're a mechanical engineer, you could take this course of film elective. So, um, but anyway, so there was 70, 80 people in there and she had us all write uh, like a three page script um, for, you know, a, uh, a, a show or a movie or something like that. So I, I wrote my three-page thing, and then she picked three of them to have people come up and act out. Well, oh, mine wasn't picked, but it was out of, you know, 78 people. I wasn't shocked. But after she mentioned the three that she's like, okay, these are the three we're going to do, she's like, there's a fourth one I really want to mention because it's so good. It's just it's a one-person show. And she's like, I wanted something with a bunch of people in it, and that fourth one was mine. And uh, it was kind of cool. And she pulled me off to the side after class and was talking about with me about it. And I was like, wow. Okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, maybe I'm not so bad at this thing, you know. I was in school <laughs> dreams, maybe trying to write something, and um, so that was pretty cool. And I, the unfortunate thing is, I kept that for years and years, and then I moved several times. And somewhere along the way, that, that script got lost. But oh. um, that was one of the, the, the things that said, okay, maybe I should start doing this. So then I started writing and um, coming up with concepts and different things. I kind of always had a general idea in my head. And, uh, so that's where Defending Smith Beginnings kind of started from is all that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it took me 10 years to write the first book, which isn't too different from a lot of the people. You know, I met um, Terry Brooks um, a bunch of years ago at signing. You know, oh, cool. Had a whole bunch of I got a whole bunch of books back here signed by him. Oh, that's and, awesome. You know, and I, yeah. you know, I love his stuff. Um, so I, I remember talking to him, you know, he's a, he's a scientist, so it's very brief, but I did mention that. He's like, oh, well, it took me 10 years. 
you know, and since then I've read when people just talked about that. You know, or, mm. It's okay, I'm along. Some people can write faster than others. The big thing is life gets in the way. You yeah, know, amen. <laughs> most people have to work first or something to, uh, especially in the self-publishing world. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's really what opened the door too with this whole self-publishing thing. It's all of a sudden it's like, okay, I don't have to go try to find an agent. I can control my own destiny. It's a lot more work, um, but I kind of like that idea. And I think you're starting to see now with self-publishing that um, we're equal with the trade trades now. I, I honestly believe that. You know, of course, there's some that aren't so good, but I've read some tra- trades that were not good. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think during the late '90s, I was reading some stuff and I was like, this, this isn't enjoyable. And you know, everyone's tastes are different. I get that, um, but you know, because not everyone's gonna like my book. Some people love it. Some aren't. I mean, I get, I, you get both ends. So you know, it's 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 everyone's. You know, as long as it's in your wheelhouse and what you enjoy reading, then think in the tri- the indies are just as, as good as trade at this point. Anyways, that's a long winded version of the answer to that question. <laughs> well it, it, it is, I just think it's funny that you, you mentioned that though, because I yeah, I do I do have quite a few books where I remember from, you know, traditional published, you know, books from fancy or sci fi where, you know, from nineties um early two thousands where I'm like, yeah, this is not great. <laughs> like, yeah, I always yeah, think it's yeah. funny. I think it's funny that people they assume if you're traditionally published, your book's just better than indie. And I, I went to meet a bunch of people. I met Kevin Hearn, Brandon Sanderson, and Patrick Rothfuss right before they became, you know, the big guys. And um, a bunch of other, Brian McCallum was there. Um, there was a bunch of stragglers. And like Michael J. Sullivan was there. Absolutely just hilarious guy. So if you brought me book two, you, you want to go buy book one and then bring it to me. I was like, yeah. you might want to um, put numbers on them at the time. They didn't have them on the outside. So now I find it funny that they do. Um, I always like to take credit for that. <laughs> I can't wait to interview them one time and, you know, ask them about it. Um, but yeah, it's just funny that, you know, they were like, yeah, they actually are the ones to convince me to, you know, try, you know, indie publishing and to go this route. So for quite a while, I'm like, I'm not going to query. I'm like, I just like the community that, you know, a lot of the indie published people had um, and like, oh, go check out so-and-so's book over there. I did the blur, yep. you know, and we just had a, a great time with each other. I think that was like almost like nine years ago um, when I went and met a bunch of them down to Poison Pen in Scottsdale, Arizona. I was living out there. Uh, but yeah, it was like, yeah, and I, I just, I, I think you're right though. You know, like there are, there are so many indie published books, particularly fantasy where I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. And particularly sci-fi I think too where you know there's like Steve McHugh's one um, and there's just like certain people I think you know have a Mark Cooper is another one um, you know just like have a certain vibe I guess you know where it's kind of nice because I feel like indie publishing can do what you want and you know you can write I think you know different to the you know traditional publishing market so I think you get a lot better stories in my opinion because they're a lot different than you know yeah. That's the thing for me. It's it's the stories. It's the it's getting lost in it, you know. And that's I read. I, I'm a I'm an escape reader. I read to escape. You know, there's you know the world's crazy out there. I follow politics, but I don't get into it. And the last thing I want is to read a book, and, and you know, I, I just want to escape all of it. So yeah. my books are also that way. I, you know, it's kind of escapism. Um, just want to get away from it all. And it's kind of like sitting and watching a good movie too. It, it, you just kind of get lost in it. And I think the Indies can do it just as well as the trades. Because, um, you know, like I said, they're in the 90s. I read a few that I didn't get lost in at all. It was just, you know, uh, it was not like they were poorly written. It's just the story was just, to me, 
was born. Now, again, everyone's different. So, you know, it's, it's all good, too. That's, that's the thing. I mean, if you look at the, the trajectory of uh, fantasy over the years, um, it's not just fantasy it's it's grimdark it's this it's that yep. it's, there's so many sub genres of fantasy that wasn't around in the 80s and 90s not really um yeah. and now it's you know there's so many different you know and even they're starting to splinter apart <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's crazy and even in the if you, if you go into the grimdark world because you know i'm online i see all these people talking and all that even in the grimdark world what one person likes may not be what somebody else likes yep um and that's all a good thing. That's a variety is a good thing. You just need to find what you like and, and you know, give it a try. And, and then another nice thing, too, with the community is, yeah, they all kind of help each other out um, for the most part. And, you know, we're all trying to, to do the same thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with trying to, you know, get your books out there. And there's nothing wrong with making money either, trying, trying to make some money out of it. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you can either, you know, if you're not doing that for the money, then that's fine, too. It's all good. In my opinion, you know, it's just my it's just my two cents on it all. I'm just out here, just some dude trying to write some books and you know trying to get them out there. So, um, you know, what do I know? But yeah, it's been a fun ride. It's been an interesting journey. I'll tell you that. Uh, we may, you know, well, I think I think some of this stuff I can answer probably in other questions. But you know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. ride uh, learning what's going on, how to how to do this, the whole process, not just the writing, but and that's a big process too. I mean, I'm constantly learning um, how to write the best book. And I think you need to do that. Um, I think everybody does. You know, I don't care if you're Terry Brooks, who's been around for forever. You know, no offense, Mr. Brooks. Um, but, you know, <laughs> he's written a lot of books. And he's been around for a while, and he's yeah, been yeah. successful. I don't care what you say about it. If you like his books, I, I've got a good friend who doesn't really care for his books, and that's all right. You know, but you can't you can't uh, deny that he has appealed to a big chunk of people. But, you know, I imagine yeah. you still learn uh, best practice. And I think some of that changes, too, because people change. You know, people have changed over the years. And, and how we, the English language has changed. I mean, look at how yeah. language has changed. Um, you know, I've got some books from the late 1800s. Go back and read those. Go read Eisenhower. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I got a copy of that. Yeah, I I enjoyed the book, but man, let's talk about old English or even yep. uh, even uh, Tom Sawyer. Go and read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read just pay attention to the English language of it, and that is you know we have changed a lot, um, especially yep. the old Pulp Fiction stuff. The uh, uh, you know John Carpenter from Mars. Oh man, I love that series. <laughs> I mean, you go you go and read this. I mean. That is, that's, you know, they were being paid by the word. So they were awfully wordy yep. and not very, yep. uh, you know, you know, it's also got very long too because they got paid by the word. So the English language has changed very constantly, you know, growing and developing. So. That's funny that you mentioned that because I remember like um, reading like Journey to the Center of the Earth and why I liked the book. It was like the English was just, you could just tell it was written for the time period and yeah. uh, 20,000 leagues. I think a lot of oh, Jules Verne yeah. is like that, you know. Jules. I love the time it. machine, Invisible Man, you know, H.G. Wells, like, yeah. Yep, I love it all, but, you know, I've got to be in the right mindset to read it, to be honest. Yep, because, whoo, totally. It, it can be a slog to get through it. Um, yep. But, I mean, in a good, good way, I, I, I shouldn't quite say it that way, because I, I do really enjoy those books, but like I said, I do have to be in the right mood, because you, you've got to, it takes them three paragraphs to say what we say in two sentences. Yeah. And, you know, heck, now with emojis, I won't be surprised if 
10, 15 years from now, you'll see emojis in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's everything's getting condensed down. It's like, okay, it used to take this long to, to write a, a, you know, a paragraph. Now it takes yep. this much, you know, um, yeah, yeah. So all that, that's all part of it too. But being in the self-publishing world, the, the other side of that is you got to figure out marketing and advertising, you know, formatting the books and, you know, for Kindle in particular, now they're allowing ebook, ePub, but before when I, the first book that I put out, they couldn't, I, I couldn't put it in ePub and publish your Kindle. Oh, that's just So, you know, now they're, now they're letting me do that. So now I can do it across the board. ePub can be used for everyone. But first you had to use Kindle's proprietary software. So it's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, and then I guess I changed it like nine months after I published, but say what. It is, it's definitely a learning game. I um, have another author that was helping me with like our new banner and he had it totally right. And then my, um, my laptop, my new laptop's like changing the download. And he's like, Oh, what's going on? So my, my friend changes it again, my tech guy. And um, it, then we get, we get it set. So they both ask like, are you good? I go, yep. And I get it up there. And then YouTube goes, Nope, now you need this. And I'm like, yep. you just, ask for this pixelation you know so even stuff like that you know just to you know get some of those it's like the amount of things i've had to learn you know just for this podcast but just like other things too you know it's just i always tell people like don't go into indie publishing unless you want to learn a whole bunch of new things <laughs> you know like um yeah it's just all kinds of new stuff outside of writing all the technology exactly yep, yep. i mean that, that this first book in particular was a big you know a learning steep learning curve for all friends yeah well how's your book going i'm like well it's done but i mean i'm dealing with all the formatting issues and everything other else. stuff yeah. so, you know i had to relearn how to use word a little bit because hmm. word in an epub or word in kindle you know it's just so i had to like yeah. redo how i how i use word now yep. specifically for publishing uh which is slightly different than the way i used to use it. Um, you know i'm not the youngest guy in the world I'm not the oldest guy but i'm not the youngest guy in the world so i've been using word for a long time so i was kind of set in my ways i had to change yep. how i do that um and that's all part of it and then you know uploading it you know i know one time i had the wrong the wrong one uploaded and oh yeah, yeah. somebody said hey there's something wrong with the book i'm like what i'm like oh well it's a long file um <laughs> i save everything i'm kind of anal about that every once in a while on twitter i'll see some author go oh i lost everything i'm like yeah i don't need anything I write for an hour. I've saved it twice already. I mean, oh. I write if I write a hundred words, I've got it saved, backed up online on the backup server online uh, in the cloud. I've got it also on a, hard, <laughs> a separate hard drive on the computer. I mean, it's everywhere because I'm like I'm I have I have learned my lesson a long time ago. I'm like you got to back it all up. Um, but the problem with that is that it's, I've got a lot of files and I you know, sometimes it gets. It's <laughs> Which files? Okay, which one's the one I'm supposed to use? Which one am I supposed to upload? So, it's at me twice. Well, once with my first fantasy book that I'm finishing, and then with like one of the rough drafts that my favorite fantasy novella, like a prequel novella, I lost. Like it was done, and I, my rough draft was done. I was going to send it out to um, alpha readers, and then next thing I know, I'm going through, and I'm like, why am I missing like you know 3,500 words? So I just haven't had time to go back and fix it. To be honest. Yeah. And then I came up with like a better idea, but I was just like, ah, oh. I was like, yeah. that really stinks. And I, I must have, you know, like, I think I emailed it to myself and I, I must have deleted the email or something that wasn't in my trash. I was just like, oh, that's why now I just do everything on, um, I do everything on OneDrive, um, Word, and then I'll actually also just send myself a copy. I'll just make a Google Doc. I just have them both open. So I have it on a drive and then I just share it. So I have like, you know, three different areas, 
<laughs> that it's on, you know. Yep, I, that way I, I don't do whatever. But yeah, everything up now. I just back it all up, and um, you know, I, I I don't even want to lose a hundred words. It's too much work with everything else going on. And if I cut the hundred words, that's a whole different ballgame. That's to make yeah, yeah. But if so, it's accidental, it's like, well, what did I just lose? Did I just lose this big gem, or did I lose junk? I don't yep. know. I want to be able to make that decision, or have my beta readers make that decision, or my editor make that oh, decision. Not, not an accidental. Oops. I think that's yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so we knew a, a lady. She was trying to get. Yeah, like she lost sixty-five thousand words out of her yeah. novel, and it was like she was like, "Oh, I'm done seventy or seventy-nine thousand. And she was just like, she was like, you know, formatting or doing something, you know, formatting the word, and it just literally it just glitched, and then her computer just like died, and. She's like, I, I didn't do it on OneDrive. I'm like, we're all like trying to help her, you know, in a forum. I'm just, my heart just broke. I was like, oh my gosh. It made me feel better about losing 3,700 words or, you know, roundabout, but I felt horrible. She ended up doing a lot better, I think, with the, you know, the next draft because she was driven. But like a lot of people would stop after that. So, yeah. Um, I'm not the fastest writer. I will admit that. You know, a lot of words. Yeah, that's a lot of words. For me, that's a, that's a couple months worth of work because I'm not the yep. fastest um yeah that's crazy some people are some people are very fast some are not um you know i'm not i think the thing is when i write you know some so i, I get on these forums and i see some people who like they ask a question well do you write so much then you cut it back right you know they'll write a hundred thousand words and end up using 50 50 000. um or are you the type that writes fifty thousand and then you go back through and during the editing process end up adding twenty five thousand I'm more that kind of guy, um, but you know, I kind of have to go back through it and then kind of start fleshing it out more the story. Mm. Um, but I'm still not the best writer, so sixty thousand words would be would be a bad loss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking like with my son. I'm like, I love him, but like, like just I'm like surprised that we've already gotten through this much of the interview because usually yeah. after thirty minutes in the morning, he's like. Where's dad? Um, but like writing lately is just it's been really difficult. So if I can get two hundred words down, you know, while he's sleeping or something, I mean, that's like a really successful day. Um, you know, and um, yeah, so I yeah, like nowadays it's like for me, like sixty thousand before wouldn't be it'd be like really quick, but now it's like that's like you know, could be a whole year's worth of work, you know. So yeah, I've been like very <laughs> anal retentive about it now, just like save, 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 making sure I get everything situated, but yeah yeah i feel like a lot of people it, i think it also depends on your genre too um you know like some some genres it's a lot easier i mean i think uh, you know uh, well actually i don't want to go too far uh, so i'll actually say this after this next question um so what genre or genres do you currently write in and why fantasy i mean because i grew up in it like i said that's uh been my bread and butter since I was in grade school um now i've got an idea for books farther down the line more sci-fi slash fantasy oh cool um, i have read some fantasy uh some science fiction over the years uh, but mostly it's fantasy and historical historical fiction uh i love that i but i won't write in that because uh, i don't know i i love history but i don't feel like i'm that deep in that particular history it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah to be a historical fiction you got to really know your stuff um yeah. you know there's some people that that Colleen McCollum writes some great stuff. Oh. stuff. Um, she's she's great. I've got her back here somewhere. And then um, Jack White. Uh, mm. 
And that's for those who like fantasy, I will check out Jack White's stuff. Uh, W-Y-H-Y. That's it. I would check him out. Jack oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have a couple of those. I think I have that somewhere. Yeah, that's they're really good. They're they're written first person. Um, they're they're historical fiction about Camelot. Um, oh. they're so it's like the first couple of books are, um, like the great grandfather, uh, uh, Arthur and Merlin. Uh, those are the first couple of books. So by the time you get into our actual Arthur and Merlin, it's like you're in the third book. And like Merlin, I'm not want to give too much away on it, but Merlin is. There's no actual fantasy. Like, you know, Merlin, everyone thinks of him as a sorcerer, right? Well, he's sort of, he's seen as a sorcerer in those books by the people living there, but he doesn't actually do any sorcery. It's all through chemistry and uh, physics oh, cool. and stuff like that. So it's really cool how he take how he how he works all that. And, and the, the first two books, for me, what I enjoy about it is the fall of the Roman Empire. And as the mm. Roman Empire was pulling back from uh, Britain, Great Britannica, Britannia, something like that is how mm -hmm. it used to be called there times. So for me, I love that the first two books is because it's the fallback of the Roman Empire and the great great grandfather of um, Arthur is a Roman legionnaire. Yeah, he's, he's, well, oh, he's cool. up in ranks, but he's you know high in ranks, so he's got some land there. Kind of that's how it all kind of starts. So I love historical fiction too, along with fantasy. I think it kind of they two kind of dovetail. They really do. I just think it's it's interesting, you know, like with fantasy and um, you know, epic fantasy in particular, you know, and I've talked to quite a few epic fantasy authors and grimdark authors and just different types of fantasy, you know, authors. And I just I, I do think that, you know, when like we were talking about the previous question, you know, in terms of writing and work out and things like that, I just I tend to find that um, you know, epic fantasy 
feel like, you know, because it's epic and because of the scope and because of, you know, the reader expectation, you know, and different things, um, you know, I, I just tend to find that and word count, you know, is a certain word count tends to be expected for each genre or subgenre, right? Um, but I just tend to find that, you know, epic fantasy, um, you know, writers, um, you know, authors who focus on it, you know, just tend to, you know, tend to, you know, like even like I just I know a few people like I definitely know that Brian McKellen, you know, pumps out pretty, you know, pretty consistent word counts. Um, you know, Brian Stabley, I've heard him talk a lot. You know, I know he does that as well, you know, and um, very, very chunky, you know, like um, epic fantasy. But I always just find it interesting based off of, you know, like what people write, because I definitely think your word count too, you know, like per day and stuff, you know, I kind of like the typical like Forgotten Realms type of, you know, like yeah. just the dime store books, you know what I mean? So for me, it's like, you know, getting, you know, 2000 words in a day, you know, is actually quite a bit, you know, for those, you know, size books. So I do think epic fantasy, you know, you're talking about your, you know, two of my books is could be not even one of somebody's, you know, it could be, yeah, you know, just two thirds of one. Yeah, my, mine aren't super lengthy. I'm not, you know, 600 page long. I'm not mm. Robert Jordan or, uh, you know, George Martin, you know, I mean, those guys write some, some books and there's a lot of words in those books. And yeah, mine is, you know, Forgotten Realms, a Salvatore, that type of stuff. Mine is mm. kind of between that, between that. If you like that, you're going to like my books, I think. Um, it's, it's, it's fun adventure, epic adventure, adventure, you know, um, but it also leans a little bit towards the other stuff. You know, I, when I saw Terry Brooks that time, he was talking, somebody asked him a question, something along those lines, you know, even amongst epic, epic fantasy readers, you know, you have some people who want all the detail, they want every little thing. So, you know, like look at Robert Jordan, you know, he, 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 great books. Um, but some people don't like it because he gets so deep into stuff, you know. Yeah. You talk about she, she's constantly pulling her braids or messing with her skirts, you know. And I now I see that online. People talk about that. But other people kind of like that. They love and they love all the detail, you know. They'll go into two paragraphs on this embroidered, you know, uh, bed sheet that's on the on, on the bed. And some or arrow like making. Some don't. Some yeah. like, some like it, some don't. Um, and I think that's the only thing is, is as readers, we've got to just understand that, that it, you may love it, but other people may not, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's everyone's cup of tea or whatever everyone's cup of tea is. Um, but yeah, mine are not super lengthy. I mean, I don't, I, so I don't, I'm kind of, you know, like I said, between all that more towards what Terry Brooks said is how he does it. He's like, he's like, I give you just enough and let your imagination run. Yeah. And that's kind of what I, I try to give you just enough. Uh, the setting or whatever it is, and then let your mind run with it. But if you need to have every single little detail, you know, you know, you're not going to get. Yeah, that's when it starts getting worse. You can have the same story, and it, it could be a hundred thousand words, or the same story be three hundred thousand words, just because yeah. of that alone. Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, for me, I like both. It depends on my mood. But sometimes I want just the, you know, that's and the other time. Okay, I want to get deep into it. Yeah, I want to, I want to hear every little thing. Um, I don't generally tend towards that way as a reader, um, but, you know, I like both. So my books are kind of, I would say, kind of between those. Um, but, you know, that's for the, the readers to judge. Uh, I write what I know and write what I like. Uh, you know, they, you know they, the old saying used to be, write what you know. Well, yeah, I understand that to a point. And that's kind of, but that's kind of what I do anyway. It's just kind of naturally. I'm like, I'm going to write what uh, I hope other people like. I'm just writing fun stuff that I would enjoy. Um, you know, and I go back and read the first book because it's weird. Once you start, you know, I'm on my third third book now, and 
you go back and reread the first book and it's like, whoa, <laughs> you kinda, <laughs> I, I kind of have to do that, you know? So I'll go back and I'll reread the first and second book. Plus it'll help me keep going with the third with the storyline and everything else, even though I have a good idea of it. Um, you know, you, you kind of forget, you know, I remember someone was asking, um, Terry Brooks again at that thing, you know, sort of Shinaros. I'm not, I'm not even going to try to say the word right because I know he's not <laughs> saying it. It's not how I've said it all these years, but his first <laughs> book, the sword book, he um, he doesn't remember it very well and he admitted mm. to it. I mean, he wrote that, what, 1977? <laughs> I mean, man. Yeah, yeah. That's a few decades ago. Yeah. You know, for him to remember it, and I'm, you know, I'm sitting there going, reread my first book I wrote two years ago, and I'm like, whoa, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I remember it in general, but not every little scene, every little word. Like, you, yeah. know, you just publish a book, then it's like, you know, you, you know, first six months after you published it, it's like you know everything in it. Uh, but then when you start getting next into the next book, well, all of a sudden it starts fading, and now I'm finding off the third book. It's like the first book really is like, you know, is you know, but, and that's why. I did reread the first and second book too, because I had a suspicion that, you know, so before I start writing the books, I want to make sure the storyline's told. Even though I have a general storyline for the whole series, um, I need to make sure that, you know, I'm consistent with everything so far. You know, so that my beta readers will probably pick that out for me, but you never know, you know. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. And to say, it's like somebody, you know, when you, that's like, I trying to remember who is listening to it was like Ari Salvatore one of them I think Bob I think it was Bob and he's like he's like yeah I just do not remember that because you know you think about Dark Elf Trilogy Icewind Dale like that same thing is like early 70s or you know whatever it's it's a long time ago yeah it's a long it was ancient history for him I mean yeah yeah if he went back and unless he actually has reread it recently if he went back and reread it now now, it'll probably be like a brand new story for him be like wow this is fun (laughs) I'm liking this who wrote this like I wrote this you know (laughs) I mean, I could, I could totally see that. I'm only, you know, only got two books, two books written. I'm, you know, halfway through the third. So, you know, it's just like, I can't even imagine having that many books. And he has been prolific. Uh, yep. So, to a record, I have kept up with them all. I am, you know, especially now, I don't, I can't read as much. And I'm writing more than I'm reading, which, yeah. which I guess that's a good thing. But I don't read as much now that I'm devoting uh, full time to writing. Uh, you know, I'm still reading quite a bit, but not nearly as much as I used to. Yeah. So I think part of that's just, you know, I, you write so much and you're doing all that all day long. It's like you want to sit down and read a book. Yeah. I still do, but I won't read as long. I guess that's probably. Yeah, totally. I need a break from all of it, but um, you know, it's it's it takes over your world after a little while. So yeah. Your your wife and your your life kind of gets like, all right, yeah, pull pull them back out of that fantasy world. <laughs> I don't want to fight. Like, yeah. No, I don't want to go back. <laughs> but you do, you know, it's so. Uh, totally true. Well, we'll get to that third one, which is always my favorite question. What are your defenders of myth books about, and how did you come up with this idea? Well, the, how I came up with it is just like I said earlier, all those years of just kind of doodling, fiddling around, coming up with different ideas and stuff. And again, talk about historical fiction. So defenders of myths. Yeah, there's myths in this. Um, you know, and how do I explain it without giving everything away? Because it's like, <clears throat> I in my books too, I kind of dole things out as you go along. So I don't bombard you in the beginning with all the details of the main character, Kaylin's life, you know. But I, it, farther on, 
and even in the first book, farther on, you start finding out more and more about his life. Um, I didn't want to just think it all in there at the very beginning. So I kind of dole it out through the story and let the story uh, lead the person, not just through the story and the plot, but also through his life and his, and also his past life. Not that there's any flashbacks. I don't do any flashbacks, but um, he meets people and stuff that were part of his formative life um, mm. that he leaves from the very beginning. But <clears throat> the myths, they're from here. They're from, from our world. I don't give that out. So it's like, it's all, even though this world is not Earth, that they're on. Um, it's not sci-fi. Don't think of it that way. When you first read it, you're like, okay, this is a typical fantasy world. Um, but then slowly it's like, wait a minute, these creatures, you know, there's pains and goat leg pains, you know, and, and other uh, cyclops, you know, it's like there are these things are in there. It's like, well, okay, well, it's a typical fantasy world that we see. Well, no, it's not just the fact that, you know, you can have a fantasy world. Um, you talk about Salvatore, Brooks, or even they have to have humans. Well, not so much Brooks, wait a minute. He's, he does his own thing with that, but um, it's not like forgotten worlds where it's like, okay, it's this world and they just happen to use those creatures. Well, no, these creatures are actually tied to our world, and yeah. the whole magic system is tied to our world, even though it's happening in this other world. This other world is nothing about us, um, and slowly you'll slowly start to see the meshing of the two, and these myths and all this and stuff are coming alive in their, in their world. Why is that happening? what's happening why are they suddenly coming alive not just their own myths they've had you know this culture this world you know every world every culture develops their own myths so you've got their own kind of coming alive like okay what's what's bringing them bubbling them up to the surface there's also these other ones coming in from somewhere that they've never heard of these weird creatures and stuff going on so all of a sudden it's invading into their world it's like okay what's going on here so the whole it's a whole journey of trying to find that out and Kaylin and Ale, his sister, their brother and sister, they were separated at birth. So eventually they, they, they have to end up working together. And why were they kept? What's going on with that? And what is their destiny? And how does that work? So all that, um, the first book kind of opens all that up and, and, and gives you a picture of all that and gets them together. And of course, there's an ending to the first book, but it leaves open for the second book. And the second book then continues on with that. And he's got a cool cast of characters that have fought, that, that kind of come with them that on this journey. Um, and they meet all kinds of other people. Because like I said, it's an adventure. It's a journey. It's not just, uh, you know, sitting in one castle, you know, with politics and all this stuff. There is some politics. There's there's battles and, and, and big fights. Um, there's a couple of the first books got a couple of really good, there's a couple armies go at it. Um, and Kalen's the part of that along with his sister. They're separated at that point, but they, they both end up getting involved in it. Um, so that's the, kind of the basics uh, of the books. Like I said, you know, it's always hard to answer that without giving it away. But <laughs> I, found, I've, I found that I've been too, especially early on, I was too standoffish about giving details out. It's like writing the blurbs for it. It's like, well, what do I write without giving away everything? Yeah, um, but I found that's like, all right, I got to open up and not be so stingy on what it's about. Be still worried about what other people what you're giving away. So, um, so that's that's basics for the books. And you know, in in my reading fantasy over all these years, reading about um, myths and all this other stuff, uh, I was all I enjoyed all that. So I put all that went into the book. I don't know if you ever read any books by Elizabeth Boyer. Uh, she's an older author. She's no longer with us. Uh, but she she used to write some stuff about Norse uh, 
North mythology. Um, mm. where she has some great stuff. I always like to recommend her too. Um, if you like, if you like dark elves, she was one of the first people to write about that stuff. I'll tell you. Um, and she, she's got some of that stuff too. The worlds combining. Um, and, but that happens more on this, on this world. Um, so mm. think more Bay Earl before Bay became a thing. She was doing. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I, she's got great stuff. The Sword and the Satchel. That's the book I would recommend starting with. The Sword and the Satchel. In fact, it might be the first one of the, the series. Um, but again, you know, it's old school. It's old school. It's it's so it's got old school sensibilities and old school writing from the seventies and eighties. So um, yeah, I find that some people are starting to bash all that stuff a little bit. But you know, it is what it is. It's a product of its time. Uh, yeah. It's like David Eddings. There's certain things with David Eddings. Like I, I thought the books were great, and you know, my friends like, well, I think you have to take it with a, a, you know, grain of salt. Like it's a fantasy world, and you know, not take our world views or whatever, you know, or whatever, um, into it, and just like kind of read it, and you know, I can, I can see both, you know, both points of view, I you know. Both, I can, I can too with David Eddings too. I can see that. Yep. Um, but you know, you gotta take it for what it is, and just. Again, I read with enjoyment. I'm not going to get too deep into all that when I read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just take taking today's sensibilities for me. That's not what I'm reading. I just want a good story and, and just enjoy the ride. Because if you start doing that, then next thing you know, you're going to dislike Mark Twain. I mean, really, yep. if you start going down that road, then you're going to start getting rid of a lot of great the, the foundations yep. for all of today's work. Going back no, to yeah, Twain, yeah. go back even farther. You're going to start getting rid of all of that because those sensibilities were a lot different even in the 1800s. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you're talking, you know, some serious differences in cultures and stuff. And where where do you end with all that? So I yeah, I don't yeah. go down any of that road. I just read for the enjoyment. I yeah. do understand why people have certain feelings about certain stuff. I get that. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, just for me as a reader, I. I should try to usually put all that aside. Well, there's some stuff, you know, okay. Goes a little too much for me, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I, you know, and yeah, David Eddings, I know, has come up a couple of times um, with that type of thing. Because, but I think he also, because even at the, for the times, some of the relationships were very, I would say, almost archaic. And I think yeah, yeah. the purpose with him, um, yep. you know, you know, I, I think that was done on purpose, but I can get why some people might not like it. It's all good. Whatever. Yeah. People's votes. You, and if you're not comfortable with it, don't read it. You know, yeah, yeah. Too is, you know, I get it. You don't want to be uncomfortable reading. Um, so don't don't read stuff you're not comfortable with. Um, so it's all good. Well, how many? I was just curious. Um, so do you plan on three books, or do you plan on more than that? Or at this point, it's gonna be four books. Four books, got it. Fifth book. Um, oh, okay. But I think at this point, it's going to be four books. It's just, you know, I will say, I mean, I haven't, at this point, it's going to be four books, but I can't definitively say that. I would say it's 90% sure. I'm going to try to get it to the four books. Um, but, you know, as you're writing, sometimes things, you know, crop up and things yeah. happen. And, you know, you don't, you talk about word count and this word count gets involved and everything else. So it's like, you know, uh, speaking of David Eddings, I was reading an article about him a while back because I read everything about all this stuff. And they were talking about in the publishing world, his books, he wanted to be a trilogy. And the first the first books are five. And he wanted it to be a tr trilogy. And 
you know, the, the guys at Del Rey were like, no, we, that's not how this works. It's not how publishing works. It's We're going to have to flip it from the five years. So, you know, that's all, you know, now I don't think it's as bad today because look at, look at Robert Jordan. Um, yeah. Guys, I mean, these books are, they're, they're doorstops. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You could tell someone books. one of Brandon's hardcovers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got, I got one here, uh, Tad Williams. Uh, oh yep yep tad yep yeah in the third yep. book it's over a thousand pages the thing is huge yeah, yeah. now they did when they did the soft cover version the trade soft cover they put it in the two books but i've got the original hardcover and when i got oh. that thing i was like holy cow okay this this will take me a couple days <laughs> yeah you know it was awesome i mean tad, tad williams has got some great stuff i mean uh you know the dragon bone chair that trilogy is uh I, I consider it a staple. It's it's up there with all the other all those all those other great guys. I, I've been I've been waiting on that one because my buddy and I are doing um Epic Fantasy Book Club. Um so we're almost done with the cripple. We're like probably one third the way down with the cripple of God. Um and then I think we're gonna go do Way of Kings, um, and just like that trilogy. Um and then I think think we're going to do tad williams we talked about doing somebody else i forget but was like still voting but i told him i was like if you're not gonna do that i was like i might have to just start without you <laughs> um because i've been waiting a while on that it's just taking have us a long time ever, to get through have you ever read uh the malazan but have you ever read tad williams or Dragon no Ball? no i um i started the bone the drag bone chair um seven years ago when i first moved here to new york state i just happened to Get it for free, actually, like in a really cool one of the original like um, paperback copies, um, you know, with like the really cool um, print and everything with him, like, you know, looking at the chair and stuff. Um, yeah, but I started it and then I never finished it. Um, I got to me like be a little worried, same. too, but it's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, you're talking a thousand pages. The third book was a thousand pages. So yeah. Be a little, I wouldn't say worry. That's the wrong way. It's just it's it's detailed. Um, yeah, descriptive, I think, is what my friend was saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be the better way to put it. But it's good. I, I you know, for a guy that also loves R.A. Salvatore, who's not that way, uh, I, I love, that's what I said, I love both. So I've got, I love all of that. There's not a whole lot mm. I don't enjoy. I just, you know, um, when it comes to that type of stuff, I just got to be in the right mood. Same thing with historical fiction. Sometimes I just want to read historical fiction. Or sometimes I want to read pure fiction. I'll sit and read the history book. Um, you know, so it all depends on that, but. So no, that's fair. Uh so I was curious just because you know you mentioned well, you know, reading your blurb and everything and these different myths and mythological creatures. Uh I was curious at which creature you would be most afraid to fight from your books and why. Well, there's a couple of bad ones, bad guys in there, bad creatures that they encounter uh in the two books. Um but you know, I'll tell you that the, the ones I would be most worried about are they're actually Good, good ladies, I should say, um, are the witches. Mm. They, they, and they, they, the witches play a fairly vital role throughout uh, the, the journey, especially of, of the sister Holland. Um, but those three ladies, you know, they first introduced them. She's sitting there over a pot, you know, a big boiling pot <laughs> on this tripod in this wood steam. You know? And I wanted to go old school with that's why I went with that. I was like, I'm going to go old school with this. Cool. You know, it's probably been done, but I'm, I just, that's, that's the way I want. And <laughs> um, so Kaylin comes up on this camp when there's this little old lady sitting there, you know, she, 
think of the old type of old school witch crone and she's yeah, yeah. got a bubbling pot that she's stirring over and all three of them are kind of grumpy and uh i i would say i really enjoy those characters um because i can be kind of grumpy too i guess <laughs> but she um those those ladies i wouldn't mess with them uh i would not uh, you know you can tell you know, even in my first description, introducing them, they ooze power. They are strong, mm. tough ladies. They've been around. They're 100 years old. They've been around the, the block. Um, so, yeah, I would say those three may be some of my, my most, um, you know, there's other ones that are scarier in general. But I think yeah, overall, atmospherically scary and just someone you would not want to mess with, it would be those three ladies. Um, oh, that's three a good there's a couple other ones too, but yeah, those three, yeah, I wouldn't mess with them. Well, what what would be which one of your characters would you want to go on an adventure with, and why? Oh, uh, LaQuintus definitely, mm. and it becomes like the second mentor for Kalen. He he's definitely oh, cool. you know, and, and, and you'll know right off the bat because I've had other readers talk about him. All, everyone likes him. He's kind of a ladies' man. He's a little bit of swashbuckling, the old school swashbuckling type. Oh, uh, cool. Uh, but he's also the mentor for Kalen. Um, gets him into a lot of, you know, gets him into some trouble. Uh, but he also always teaches them the right path and everything else. Yeah, he'd definitely be the fun, the most fun one to hang out with, uh, especially if you're looking to go really have a good time. Um, yeah, he's he, he's definitely the one, uh, especially when I was younger, really have a good time with have some fun. Oh, that's cool. It's like Robert Jordan. I always want to hang out with Land. Just I was like, give me a sword lesson for like five minutes. Like yeah. I would be yeah. like yeah. totally yeah. content yeah. after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah, I, I definitely. And he's a great. He's he's a good swordsman too. And you know, he's got even the, the mustache and everything. Oh, else. cool. I, I really went old school with him. Um, so yeah, I think he would be he'd be one of the most fun guys. You know, he, he reminds me. There is a. I go to renaissance festivals quite a bit and there's one up in uh, new york um it's the first time i ever met this duo don juan and miguel mm. you can look them up online don juan and miguel. They, they've got they've done do, they do a lot of stuff for renaissance festivals and the one down here in north carolina i live in south carolina but i go to the one in north carolina and uh miguel uh, no don juan don juan if you if you see him think you could think of his character um <laughs> cool. you know i've seen this guy for 25 years at all these Renaissance festivals and I, you know and they're great at the Renaissance they're so personable they're roaming around you just stop and talk to them and I've talked to both of them a lot over the years and um, yeah he, he so you can look you can look at look up Don Juan and Miguel and see Don Juan and you'll you'll see kind of where the image that I kind of have of uh, oh, that's cool of uh, Quintus but yeah those Don Juan and Miguel are cool they're, they're heavily into the renaissance festival so if anyone out there ever goes renaissance festivals look those guys up or ask about them they i know they they used to, they're not so much the one in new york anymore um sterling renaissance festival that was the one in new york. Mm. Uh, they are heavily involved in the one down here in north carolina um carolina renaissance festival and i know they're heavily involved in several other ones they they help really I can't go off topic too much on the Renaissance Festival, but it's, again, it's all fantasy. It's all tied into what I enjoy. So I say my uh, so I talked to um uh, Aaron uh, Renato, and uh, she, that's what she does is she just goes to Renaissance Festival. She's like, I do way better selling my books at Renaissance Festivals than Comic Cons, and I'm like, you know what? And I, she gave me that idea, and 
I'm like, I'm going to go with that. We have one here and right outside of Rochester, north of Syracuse. There's like two. And then one outside of Rochester on the western side of the state. One of those might be the Sterling Renaissance Festival. I think it is. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I, I looked them Rochester. up the other day. Yeah, yeah. Used to live oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right outside of Rochester. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so I just want to make sure you get this one in before our last question because I absolutely love your covers. Um, I'm a huge. I used to teach design. Um, I used to want to be a digital illustrator and everything. Um, there just weren't a lot of programs at that time uh, where I was at in Michigan. Uh, but I was just curious like, who does your covers and how you decide what would be featured on them. Got some great scenes on there. Yeah, Alan Morris. Awesome mm. guy. Great, great guy to work with. Um, and he does fantastic work. Alan Morris. Now, how I got in touch with him is I was looking for kind of that little bit of the old school, but also very, um, I wanted an actual painting. You know, that's what yeah. I wanted. Painting. Aside from the whole AI stuff, because it was before AI started taking over. He said, you're mm -hmm. to that, to death. Yeah. You don't, you don't have time. So, but, this, it's not AI, I'll say that. Alan Morris paints his own stuff. Um, oh, you could tell. But, yeah, Alan Morris is great. He, uh, how I got in touch with him is because I follow a lot of stuff with Rim Oak Press. If anyone's familiar oh, with yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you are. Um, but if you want to find um, specialty books, uh, Dave Fedenics, Raymond Thies, Terry Brooks, uh, the guy that runs Rim Oak Press is, is the, the web wizard and web druid for uh, Terry Brooks and his close friend of Terry Brooks, uh, Sean Speakman. Um, those guys have got great books. I can always always recommend them. I've got several of their books here. Um, they do specialty editions of them. And uh, for the David Evans books, uh, Alan Morris did the artwork. And I was cool. like, wow. Especially that first book. I was like, would I need that's, that's That's what I want. That's who I got to find. So I hunted him down. In fact, I think I reached out to Sean. Um, I can't remember how I got out his contact information a couple of years ago. Now. But yeah, he does great work, Alan Morrison. And he does, he does other paintings, just fantasy stuff. So I would recommend going look at his webpage, look at his stuff. He's got some awesome stuff uh, that he sells. Um, he also sells the bigger versions of the covers that he does. Um, because he does a lot more than just the day of that stuff for Grimo. He does stuff for, I think he's also doing Magic the Gathering now, too. I think he's doing some stuff for Magic, um, you know, oh, cool. uh, card game. I think he's working on some stuff for them right now, too. Um, so he does a lot of great work. Uh, and so the first book, yeah. How, how do I get to see my dad? No, I have no idea. I'm like, how do I do this? This, this is another thing I had to learn. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm supposed to pick a scene. I don't know. I'm like, Alan. What do I do? He's like, oh, I'll put up some stuff together. So he, he sent me like three or four little uh, little ones and said, what do you think of this? You know, just uh, thumbnails, very rough thumbnails. And uh, so my wife and I looked at them. Um, I had her help me out with that. And it's like, all right, we like this one. So then he, then he did it and it looks awesome. I can't, I can't, I got nothing but love for that first one, but partly because it's my first book, but also I love that. I love that imagery in it. So horse, that's yeah. the other thing. A horse plays a big role in these books. Uh, the horse that uh, Kalen rides, uh, that horse plays a big role. There's some cool stuff about that horse. He's not just a normal horse. Uh, I'll say that. So if anyone's uh, listening, mm. if you like horses, there's some cool stuff with that horse uh, that plays a big role in all of this. 
But anyway, so that's how I got now the second one. That was different. Now at this point, I was like, all right, I kind of you know, all right, Alan, I got some. Here are I so I sent him scenes from the book and said, hey, um, what do you think of this? Can you send me a couple thumbnails um, from these scenes? And there's one scene in particular I had my eye, and uh, so he gave me gave me the thumbnails. We talked about a little bit more, changed a couple things. I wanted that one. Um, So I wanted, I don't, you probably can't tell too much in this, but I wanted to have a winter scene. I've always been a sucker for winter scenes. You know, mm. I play World of Warcraft. Well, I used to play World of Warcraft all the time. Some of the dwarven scenes in the winter, I love oh, yeah. So I wanted something kind of a winter scene, but also, I also needed to have, also needed to have both of the two main characters and the horse. Those are like three of the main, three main characters in this. I want all three of them. I also want them looking down the alley. There's a scene there that something, you know, there's something down this alley, and there's something there, a way they're not sure what is, it, but they they something was sending a chill down their spine, basically saying, oh, something's up. So that's why I've got you know the two of them kind of in the house. I want a little bit of an action scene. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, very different, but similar to the first book, different just in the fact that it was much more of an action scene and much more tighter on them. The first one was very uh, big and broad. Yeah. Very scenic. Um, what am I going to do for the third one? I got a few ideas already. Um, I'm not going to give it away because I haven't figured that out. <laughs> um, but I've already got a couple of ideas I have. I got to get it out um, pretty soon, hopefully. So that's it. Alan Morris, great, great, great guy, great artist. Yeah, amazing. His work, and um, you know, um, get the next couple of books with them too. So that's awesome. Well, we'll end with this last question here. Uh, do you have any current promos, news updates, or current projects you can share with us? Well, I'm working on book three. Uh, it's taking me a little longer. Life, like I said earlier, life gets in the way. I am trying to well, do full time. Um, I'm like the starving artist. Luckily, I'm as a physician. I can. I can get away with that. And my wife is being incredibly uh, gracious about all that. Um, so I am writing full time, but uh, this last year, just some stuff has come up and it slowed me down. But I'm back in. I'm back in the saddle now. So pounding away at that keyboard, really hustling and getting it going. Um, when is it going to be out? I was going to say at the end of this year, but December is not the best time for for me. And yeah, I, yeah. I find that self publishing. I don't think December's. I don't know. Maybe other people do, but I don't. I don't think December's the best time. Um, yeah, it tends to be like a drought. <laughs> yeah, especially for self-publishing. I think at oh. worst, you know, because we're not in all the stores, you know. So it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, they're gonna go pick up my book and give it away as Christmas presents. You know, it'd be different for like Sanderson or somebody else. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That might be a good time. I don't know. I, I, that's a business part of it. I'm still learning. I don't know. But for me, I don't think it's going to be the best of time. So I'm thinking it's probably going to be January, February. I should have the third oh, cool. out. And then hopefully at the end of the year, end of next year, uh, hopefully I'll do a two release. Hopefully I'll be able to get through the oh, cool. book um, and get that out, you know, maybe October, November. Hopefully that's that's the game plan. I want to get this four books out there so then I can really start uh, advertising and marketing all four of them out there. Um, That'd be cool. My, my business. 
thing is I think once you get three or four books out there to self-publisher, you can start to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It always I takes think, at least three or four. Yeah, I think. I mean, because I follow a lot of the other guys. I follow all those guys, the ones that are making it. Yeah, Rose, Rosal, I think you actually did a thing with him, didn't you, JDL? Yep, uh, yep. Uh, did yep. you interview him? Yep, um, yep. I follow a lot of these guys, and it seems to be well. Some they they make it big right off the first book. Some do that. Some can instantly boom take off. But it just seems so many of them. There's I follow this Lori Holmes uh, and her husband. Uh, can't remember his name. He does all the marketing for, and uh, I follow a lot of his stuff. So I don't want to bore everybody else with all the business side. But if you want, if you want to know more. You can reach anybody can reach out to me anytime. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me, and I can I can go on and on about the business side of it. I a lot of self publishing people don't like it. I enjoy that part of it too. I enjoy the marketing, advertising, and enjoy trying to figure all that out. But but as for where we are now, where I'm at now is I got in the middle of writing the, the third book. Um, then I, I've got to get my beta readers to read it, give me their feedback on it. And of course, you know, you got to get edited to get the, 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 the uh, the uh, the cover all done, so uh, that's where we're at. So hopefully, very early next year, January, February time frame, should have the third book out there, and then I plan to get the fourth one turned around pretty quick. So. Well, cool. Well, that sounds awesome. I really look forward to seeing, uh, you know, book three and book four. Um, everybody, just as a reminder, you can find uh, Michael's um, social links and social media and book links in the description everywhere where this podcast is found. Um, we just want to remind people to make sure you are reviewing your books, please. And thank you, particularly for indie authors. That way, um, you know, people see them, helps out everybody. Um, and it just takes a couple of moments, whether you're on Kindle or Goodreads. Um, you know, technology makes it really easy. Uh, but Michael, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed, you know, having you on and talking some epic fantasy and about your books. And if there's anything I can do, you know, in the meantime to help you out before this, uh, you know, uh, season and episode drops, just let me know. And other than that, I look forward to talking on social media, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. You have a good rest of the day and I will talk to you soon. You too. Take it easy. Bye.